This week on the Magnificently Huge Podcast, we go to outer space to listen to the number one song in heaven. Welcome to the Magnificently Huge Podcast with your hosts, Eric Reed, Brian Kruger, and Chris Ryerson. Three idiots who decided to slap an adverb together with an adjective to bring you one magnificently huge discussion each week about the movies and pop culture we kind of like, maybe even secretly love, before we ultimately crab all over them. We're not here to save the world, we're just here to make it weirder, one podcast at a time. This is Magnificently Huge. Welcome everyone to the Magnificently Huge Podcast. My name is Brian, and this week my friends Chris and Eric will join me for a new recurring series, uh, Know This Band, and we're going to start it off with the band Sparks. Sparks have been around since the 60s they they're older than us <laughs> they're older than you most likely and they're still making albums and they're still kicking ass and the premise of this uh, this new uh, template for for shows that we'll do occasionally is uh, we assume that this might not be a band you know all that well maybe you've only maybe you've never heard of them maybe you've heard one or two big hits. And uh, we're going to make a playlist, an uh, Apple Music playlist, a Spotify playlist, same playlist. And we're going to start you off, you know, ease you into it, give you some stuff that's, that's familiar and popular. And then we'll walk you down and down and down the rabbit hole until we're getting you into deep cuts. And I, my goal is that I've got about an hour and 15 minutes in this podcast and also in this playlist to get you from nowhere to being a new fan of this band. It's one of the most influential bands in my life and certainly in a lot of the bands that I listen to's life. I'm really excited to, to do this episode, so I want to get to it quickly. But before that, we'll do the needful here. Um, please share the podcast. Put it on your social feeds. Please rate the podcast. Go into iTunes and give it a five stars. And you don't even need to write a review. Just, just click the thing. Anything we can do to grow an audience. Um, if you've got suggestions for the show or feedback... Uh, there's a lot of ways to reach us. You can find all the ways to reach us and all of our back episodes um, on our website. That's maghuge.com, M-A-G-H-U-G-E.com. There you'll find links to our Twitter feed where we are at maghuge. Uh, you'll also find links to us on Facebook, Magnificently Huge Podcast, on Instagram, Magnificently Huge Podcast, and a link to email us, magnificently magnificentlyhuge at gmail.com. All right. I'm excited. Let's do this thing. Hey everybody, we're back. Uh, yeah, energy, Eric. Energy. <laughs> energy. You said it before. If you're flat, <laughs> then the show is flat. Energy. Yeah, Eric. Energy. 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 <laughs> Not entropy. Energy. Uh. Uh-uh. Gotcha. Cool. So, hi everybody. Welcome to the magnificently huge podcast. My name is Brian. This is My Chris. name is Eric. This is Chris. Hi, and we're gonna do a show for you. <laughs> Asking over each other do. since like 2017. 2018. Well, uh, we 17. started, in, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We've been doing this. The so important long. thing is that you said it over each other. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. We've been doing it so long, we fucking forgot. <laughs> I'm just trying to think. Like, if I actually had children, how insufferable I would be with this thing. 
okay, kids, you 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 go on, you know, playing with your Legos. I'm gonna go be a radio star. Oh, fuck you, Dad. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's pretty much what our audience says to you, though, right, yeah. Eric? Yeah. Oh, oh, fuck you, Eric. Yeah, those, oh, yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. That's most of the emails this. we yeah. get. <laughs> well, apart from that, how is everybody today? Oh, pretty good. <laughs> it is so chilly here. I don't know what it's like where you guys are, but it's actually chilly. I'm not used to it being end of June and still needing to wear a, a coat. Well, yeah, um, I just got back from Carlsbad where it was like 60 degrees, and back here in Phoenix, it's 110. Oh, good yeah. lord. So... It's roughly half the temperature where I was this last week yeah. than where I am now. We've been uh, creeping towards 100, but haven't quite broken it. But today it's in the 70s. That's so yeah. yeah. magnificently huge where you go <laughs> to hear the weather from some point in time in the past. Yeah, this is your hippie. Hey, hippie like I said, man. like I said, oh, yeah, dad, you're so cool talking about the weather radio <laughs> store, my ass. Uh, should we talk <laughs> about the weather? <laughs> <laughs> we should definitely not talk about the government. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, anything else you want to talk about before we talk about other stuff? Fresh well, usually we do that. Oh. We do a segment <laughs> called the Fresh <laughs> This shit is fresh. Oh, shit. That is fresh. This stuff is really fresh. We totally stole Pee Wee's secret word, uh, just so you know, but that's all right. Uh, fresh. All right. Uh, Eric, what do you got? Well, this week went downtown and watched a revival showing of Xanadu, which, as lame as it is when you're a grown up, it's awesome in a theater full of people who are ready for camp. Uh, everyone was really into it. It was really fun. People were shouting during it, like either with joy or or groaning because that movie <laughs> makes no sense. I mean, there is like a shot, uh, a, a Tron-like shot of Olivia Newton-John in the Netherworld uh, singing a very dopey country love ballad song that is one take long. I, I, I was shriveling in my seat watching this thing. I seem to remember Xanadu just really sucking. It does. Like, a lot. It does. It, it sucks oh, yeah. horribly, and it makes no sense. But when you're seeing it with a bunch of people who are down yeah. for the weirdness, it's fun. Could you visibly watch Gene Kelly just shrivel on screen? Yes. Yes, on a big screen. You like he just knew. Go, like he knew what he was doing. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, like that. Yeah. Uh, there, there's a part where there's, I love you and Xanadu. There's a part where uh, he is dancing and uh, Living Newton John is dancing, and it's a two shot, full body two shot, kind of like uh, um, Astaire and Rogers would do, and. As they're dancing, you can tell this is the hardest thing she's ever done, and that this is the easiest thing he has ever done. Because they're doing, like, a step that has been totally dumbed down for her, and he's like, I'm, I'm Gene Kelly, I probably did this in my sleep last night. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's, 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 it is a fun movie, though. Because, um, like I said, everyone was really into the the moment and you know everyone was laughing at the bad scripting choices <clears throat> like it is written so badly just dialogue between two people is so hilariously bad people started cracking up it got huge laughs 
Um, <laughs> One of our most popular podcasts was the episode Crap Movies Saved by Great Soundtracks. And mm-hmm. this is like the epitome of that, right? This like, was my first choice for that show, yeah. Yeah, how could it not be? Yeah. This is ELO and Olivia Newton-John and... Tubes? And, of course, Cliff Rickard. Yeah. Cliff Richard, who really saves it. Uh, um, but the, no, uh, I forgot the tubes were in it. Um, it's... it's Tubes. Yeah, I have to say that that way because so of my Canadian this, heritage. Was this yeah. just like, uh-huh. you know, uh, what's that record label that all of these people were on? Cleopatra Records? Or I don't or what the, uh, Whatever record I mean, label that uh, was. Um, K- Ktel, Casablanca? <laughs> Take Casablanca, I think, is what it was. <laughs> Whatever record label that was, it seems like they're just like, Hey, we got a lot of roller disco to promote over here, and here we go. You know, it's actually <laughs> it has know. a weird, uh, um, I guess, germination that film, where it was supposed to be just a cheap roller disco film, like a bunch of other ones, and then um, what's his name got involved? The 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 super producer of Jeff Lynn? No, the movie super producer, oh. the the Lethal Weapon oh. guy. Come on, Chris. This is your Joel, Joel, Joel Silver. Silver. It, 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 it got Joel Silver. Oh, it's a Joel Silver joint. Yeah, and the production budget blew up. And uh, but what does the helicopter do in Xanadu? Uh, yeah, it's a good question. <laughs> um, it, it goes to Carousel. Maybe this is this is where he said, "You know why it failed? There was no there was no helicopter. There was no fighting. No helicopter." <laughs> Yeah, really. There's no yeah. heights. Fucking Xanadu. Thanks a lot. Yeah, learned a lot though. Um, <laughs> Did anybody fall to their death except Gene Kelly's career? Okay, here's what I think. Uh, because <laughs> my favorite part of the movie, I at one point I leaned over to my wife. I'm like, I think this is my favorite part of the movie coming up. And it turns out I wasn't the only one. Everyone else's favorite part of the movie was this part. Michael Beck is skating down the boardwalk, and he sees the mural where. Uh, um, Olivia Newton-John came out of. I know she has a name. I just cannot think of it. For yeah, and she's Olivia Newton-John. It doesn't. That's fine. It doesn't matter. Yeah. yeah. Well, I called him Michael Beck, so fuck it. Anyway, uh, he sees the mural, and there's no dialogue. He's just thinking it over. You know, should I? I think she came out of that. Um. Oh, in a in a a close up of his face, where you he looks just like um. Oh boy, I hate not remembering names. Heath Ledger. He looks just like Heath Ledger. It's 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 <laughs> astonishing. But he goes skating and he jumps into the wall. And when he decides to go for it and jump into the wall, which is my favorite part of the movie, everyone starts cheering and clapping. Go for it, you get her, Sonny. You know, it's like <laughs> wow. <laughs> uh, I and I I do prescribe. Prescribe or subscribe? I do subscribe to the theory that uh, this is he, when he skates up to the wall, he dies, and everything past that point is a Jacob's Ladder scenario. That <laughs> that, that actually would make it more interesting. Yeah, I think that's so, that's yeah, what's going that's, on. That's good because it doesn't make any more sense after that. It goes way downhill. Like yeah. the idea that they open a dance roller skate disco bar club where it appears everyone is an employee. Because no one is just doing stuff. They're all part of the floor show. Um, yeah. yeah. 
And in the end, he well, meets it, Olivia Newton-John, who's a waitress at Xanadu, and they don't appear to know each other. And I'm like, what? what? Okay, the, he's, his brain is losing oxygen. That's it. How have we not gotten the Broadway show version of Xanadu? It's been done. How did, it, just how didn't, that? it didn't make it to oh, Broadway. Was it? Uh, they did it on the West okay. End oh, okay. like uh, eight, ten years ago. I guess it probably just died. Really? It feels like it would be too Starlighty Express. Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah. I think it's been done. It's already been done. Yeah. But there's such better music in z- anyway. Yeah. Shut your mouth! Anyway, How yeah. dare you, that sir? Was, that, yeah, was, that was pretty much my thing. Next, Chris. Yes. Chris, what do you got? Uh, Eric took a big Xana dump on the fresh. Oh, Xana, don't, dude. <laughs> uh, it's been kind of slow. I finally finished. Down, depressed. Try Xanadu. Yeah. Ask your doctor. <laughs> More like Xanax. I, uh, Xanax do. Yeah. I, I, f- I finished Fosse Verdon, uh, and it was amazing. So if anybody is a fan of musical theater out there, find Fosse Verdon from FX and watch it. Uh, I didn't know that he died walking to the premiere of the Sweet Charity Revival <laughs> on stage. I thought I, I got to that part and went, I did not know that. That's amazing. Like he was eight minutes away and he just dropped out of a heart attack on the street. That's like, what? So uh, it was fun, but <laughs> kind of dark. Uh, but it led me into going back and actually watching all of Cabaret because I'd never watched the whole thing before. And it's oh, on Netflix God, right really? now. I've seen the musical numbers, so it's like, well, I feel like I've seen it, but I How hadn't. How dare you? Uh, <laughs> so, yeah. So, it was uh, it was interesting. And that, good Lord, is the darkest, yeah. bleakest goddamn musical I have ever seen in my yeah. life. It was amazing. <laughs> I'm like, how do you make a musical not happy but fun at the same time? It was quite a tightrope. Yeah. And uh, really, it really made me... I appreciate the work of Bob Fosse a little bit. That movie holds like the movie. record for the most Academy Award wins of any film that didn't win Best Picture. So I thought it did win Best Picture. No, no, or did he it just won win Best Director? But that Godfather won Best Picture. Oh, that's right. That's fucked yeah. up. I I but still the, haven't actually seen the film version. Remember when I was talking about the stage version, that was my first go, and I did not know how it ended. Yeah. And the yeah. way it was staged is they're literally taking the entire audience into the oven, um, which oh, is damn. pretty fucking harsh. Yeah. Yeah, the uh, the movie itself, like, it opens with Joel Grey as the MC, and he's in this, like, weird reflection. Uh, so it's almost like a funhouse mirror. And then that's when they go into, Dominant head and Welcome and Bienvenue. And then they go into the life as a cabaret. Uh, and then it bookends at the very end of the movie with the reflection. But instead of Joel Grey, it just pans across this reflective surface and you see all of the Nazis in the audience of the cabaret. And it's like, oh, fuck you, Bob Fosse. Yeah. I mean, it's just so bleak because they string you along with all the happy fun times and then it just gets progressively darker. And then you get that final shot. I was like, oh, good Lord. Is this a musical? Is this really? He was an so, unhappy yeah, guy. I would recommend yeah. it. Yeah, it was pretty mm-hmm. fucked up. So, yeah. I can imagine, though, leading you into the ovens crazy yeah it was it was it was hard to watch during the trump administration um yeah 
cabaret. Yeah, cold. I imagine so. It's well, that's just it. I'm watching it, going, man, this is definitely the movie musical for our times from 1972. He, uh, it, it, I, it's amazing. He, he 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 caps the joke, the whole joke, perfectly in all that jazz. When Roy Scheider looks at the camera and says, "What's the matter? You don't like musical comedy?" That's pretty much his entire career. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Uh, so, yeah, I'm kind of now on a kick because I love Sweet Charity. I've seen that probably more than any of his other stuff. Uh, but I think Lenny is on Amazon, so I'm going to go visit that and then find all that jazz. And I don't know if I have it in me to watch Star 80 again, but uh, I probably will. You should have you have you watched uh, Irma LaDuce? Oh yeah, I love Irma LaDuce. Okay, did you did you watch that's uh, Billy Nights Wilder. of Kiberia? You might dig that no. one too, because that's the Fellini film that the whole thing's based on. Of Irma LaDuce. Uh-huh. Speak, speaking of Billy Wilder, okay. I got. Gotcha. So when uh, we can't reference the book, we just get yeah. into like, well, I saw the stage production. Well, I watched the the Fellini <laughs> film. Fellini. I love Fellini. Yeah. I love Fellini. So I yeah. bring him up. I think that that for anybody that doesn't know already, that's our shtick. Eric will drop some just highfalutin European film thing uh, that no one knows. Brian will have seen the stage show, and then I'll say, oh, the book. Yeah. And that's pretty much where we <laughs> dig in our heels. Because <laughs> we're all assholes. We are all Three assholes. pretentious assholes. Oh. Three pretentious. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Such high society here. Wow. Yeah. Uh, your so culture yeah, that, from your magnificently uh, huge podcast, everybody. <laughs> oh my god, yeah. I gotta go. So that's watch my that fresh this week. Hi, 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 society. <laughs> so, so <laughs> I, I, I decide about how how highfalutin we are, right? Like I, so I'm having uh, dinner with my boss's boss this week, oh, Braggard. He had. He had listened to, um, I don't know what episode of the podcast that he had listened oh, good Lord. to, but oh, he had turned it on and like the first thing was about Eric's like puking or, or taking a shit or something like that. And, and then I'm it's like, so puerile. well, I, within the conversation turned and we were talking about um rocket man and i and so i recommended the godzilla episode which has rocket man well i listened to the godzilla episode and the first thing it is is eric comparing the godzilla movie to a uh, getting poison ivy on his balls so <laughs> <laughs> i tell yeah, you, you admit, we are a high a class operation here <laughs> well yeah. oh that's oh that's, that's great. mostly thanks to eric i forgot yeah. about that <laughs> yeah i think I, I pointed out at some at some point that the charm of this show i think is that you know chris is the sardonic one brian is the parent and i'm the retard i'm just the one who says all the wrong stuff like <laughs> retard and i don't mean retard like, like learning disabled <laughs> if you think that's what i meant then that's your problem you're the one who's like yeah. being unpolitically he's eric reed tard yeah. yes, yes. <laughs> Yes, yeah, I, yeah, I'm actually yeah. Retrograde. it's actually a play on his last name. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm using it's, it in in the context era. of retrograde, so that's that's not politically correct. And shame on you for thinking that if you did. Thank you for qualifying yes. that. <laughs> Chris, <laughs> so what got, you got, got, Brian? Okay, is that it? <laughs> no, I'm going to stick to cabaret because I don't think I can top anything that has come after okay. that. So. <laughs> um, did I? I don't think I did on the show. I went and saw Dark Phoenix uh, a couple weeks oh, ago. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. You didn't say that. And tell me about it because I love X-Men. 
Um, Are you gonna go see this thing though? Let Brian tell his story. That's what I'm asking. If not, have okay, you have so you seen spoilers? the trailer to Dark Phoenix? Yes. Um, okay. Yeah. I've also seen X Men Three. Yeah. Based on the trailer, who do you think uh, dies? Who who is it? Uh, well, I'm 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 I'm. Mm, mm. Shit, I have no idea. Miss, I'm gonna say Mystique. Yeah, it's really obvious. Oh well, it's yeah, they got to get rid of yeah. her. She wants out. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, the trailer is pretty much the movie you expect. It it's not. It it has no real purpose. Um, the the lack of the love triangle with Wolverine and Cyclops hurts the the Jean Grey story significantly. Um, so wait, if they kill a, Mystique, then they really much just admitted that they're not adhering to any actual timeline. It for doesn't the, matter. This is the last of the 20th Century Fox X Men films. We're, this is okay. it for that this cast, and it's okay. just it's right, just kind of there. They've pretty much said that like if you liked. You know, X Men One. Uh, jokes on you because it didn't happen, right? <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. Uh, who can keep up with it? Um, there's some good scenes. They 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 do a bunch of stuff with Nightcrawler again, which is always worth doing. Um, His name is Kurt Vonna, right? You have to say like the German accent. And he was in Cabaret. Do I? <laughs> yeah, he was. He was. Yeah. Well, no, it's not Alan Cumming playing him anymore. It's some kid. I think it's a Cody Schmidt McPhee is is Nightcrawler now. A a um, younger, less interesting version of the original. Got it. Yeah. Like but, all of but them. But the great thing about <laughs> about I noticed this watching the X Men movie, um, which is that none of them actually have the kind of superpowers that allow them to do what Marvel characters do, which is punch each other or use we- weapons or anything. No, there are two moves. Okay. Either a character is touching their temple, like Professor X (laughs) or Cyclops, or more likely everybody else is just kind of moving their hands around an invisible orb in front of their chest and making faces. There's this amazing scene, yeah, where, yeah, yeah, except Doctor Strange does more interesting things. Uh, There's this amazing scene where, like, Jean Grey (laughs) and Magneto are fighting over what's going to happen to a helicopter, and... It's just looking at Fastbender in this shot because he's like standing, but he's squatting like he's constipated. And he's flexing every muscle in his body. <laughs> right? And hey. I'm thinking that the, the the shooting of this movie, like the actual production, had to be hilarious because all it was is just people flexing their muscles and moving their hands around, and you know they didn't even wave magic yeah. wands. <laughs> which is funny. The which is funny you bring it up because uh, Captain America: Civil War has been on a lot recently on the cables. So I watched, I turned over to it uh, right during the airport tarmac fight. Which is the uh, only part and to watch. So, yeah, and it's uh, really bothersome to watch because every time Scarlet Witch is on screen, all I can do is concentrate on how they filmed it with Elizabeth Olsen just moving her hands yeah. in like these weird circular fashions. Like, that's all I can see when she's on screen. And it's very, very distracting. Okay, it's like, but come that's on. every character... In Dark Phoenix, that's Jean Grey, <laughs> yeah. that's that's Magneto, that's Professor X, that's yeah. Storm. That it just all it is is pantomime, and it doesn't yeah. it doesn't work that great. I skip it. It's really not it's like, worth your trouble. They they should uh, redub it and just put in slapstick noises every time they touch 
Like when Cyclops goes to us, we're like, boink, boink, Joe. <laughs> and they would probably jazz it up. Okay. So any other questions about it? Because I don't really have much to say. It's it's just kind no, of there. I, I, I think it's testament that the, the whole thing is only made like 63-something million over its run so far. Ouch. So it's definitely the worst performing yeah. X-Men movie to date. That's all you need to know. Which, it's better than Apocalypse, so that's kind of sad. But, I, oh well. I think well, the bar was so low. The, the problem with these X-Men films, uh, they, they did the brave thing of re-injecting fresh life into it with First Class, which was yes. you know, just an out-of-nowhere awesome film. And it was shot on a shoestring, too. It was a Wrath of Khan-type deal, where they weren't even sure they were going to make another one. And... What they did with that fresh start is to completely screw it up by yeah. making it stale. Yeah, um, it's it's the same mistake that the J.J. Abrams Star Trek movies made, right? Like, they go to the trouble of, they give themselves a clean carte blanche, totally blank slate, mm. and an awesome new cast, Yeah, and then they immediately, in the second movie, fuck it all up by coming in and bringing all the continuity back in. They didn't have to do that. Why would you do that? Yeah, it's not even interesting. I, 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 why do the Dark Phoenix story at all? You can do anything right, right now. Yeah, it's, it's directed by the guy who wrote uh, The Last Stand, and so I guess he's, you know, I don't know, he's trying to atone okay. for his past sins it's, it's a, with this? It's a do-over. It's a do-over. Uh, sure. Which I can't remember even being bad. Maybe it was so bad I don't remember it, but was Last Stand as bad as everyone says? Everyone makes it sound like... Yes, it's, it's just poo. It's Brett fucking Ratner. Well... It's Brett fucking Ratner. Yeah. yeah. That's all you need to know. <laughs> it's not uh, good. No, it's not. Okay, so to describe my next movie, I need to, I need to explain... My wife works with patients who have epilepsy, people who have seizures, and there's a type of seizure where all of your body just shuts down, like everything just goes completely limp and you lose all control of your body and you just fall over face first and you break your face. So that guy from the Devo video for... uh can't get no satisfaction. Well, not quite. That guy is moving. This is, you just go completely stiff and you fall on your face. Anyway, that's called like a- an atonic seizure. And on the way to the car, after watching the new movie, Anna, my wife described Anna as atonic blonde. <laughs> <laughs> Zing! Score another well one for Jolene. <laughs> yeah. She thinks we tell bad dad jokes. Good lord. <laughs> that one requires an explanation and notes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Luke Besson. Luke Besson is back, uh, having made Valerian and the Shitty of a Thousand Shits. He's now back with no budget whatsoever. I assume we're trying to recoup some of the money lost on that last one with Anna. And Anna is a movie that it just doesn't need to exist. I mean, in a world where we have Atomic Blonde. Or Red Sparrow, and, or the upcoming Black well, Widow also movie. Also, La Femme Nikita. Yeah, or La Femme Nikita. Sure. All right. So all I wanted out of this movie was trash, right? We've got we've got a movie with a hot model in it who looks disturbingly like a young Mila Jovovich, <laughs> uh, which His is ex-wife. yeah, because Lupe Son was married to her. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, we've got a hot model. We've got um, 
a fight scene as awesome as the one in the trailer. It's the only awesome fight scene in the whole movie, but just go with it. But we've got a lesbian relationship uh, and multiple sex scenes, but yet we have no lesbian kissing. We have exactly one shot of a boob in the entire movie. I mean, you fuckers call yourselves French? <laughs> I want trash! And I did not get trash. What I get instead is a Cold War thriller. Nothing uh, but trouble, sorry. Yeah, this is this is a spy movie um, starring, uh, by the way, Helen Mirren is in this as a senior KGB agent who handles Anna. Helen Mirren is here just kind of slumming it, I guess. <laughs> the movie is set in the years 1987 to 1992. But here's the thing. It doesn't look anything like 87 to 92. And there's no story reason for it to be in those years. And then they get it all wrong. For example, everyone has a cell phone in this movie. (laughs) Now, okay, I know, I know cell phones existed at the time, but not the ones that these characters are holding. And then, at the end, in the climax, one of the key MacGuffins is a USB stick. USB was not invented until two years after this movie in 1994. No one will know. No one will know. But... None of that is the most annoying thing about the movie. The most annoying thing about the movie is that they, they're trying to keep the audience on their heels and, you know, confused. And so they have this thing they do where they keep cutting backwards in time. Like, they'll show you a scene and they'll say, but now it's uh, five years earlier. And then, wait, no, it's three months before that. Oh, wait, nope, now we're back in the present time. Now we're going to jump forward a few months. And it sucks it's confusing they do this like five times in a row in the first five minutes of the movie and i'm sitting there going i'm confused i don't know what's going on or why i should care a bunch of people die at the beginning of the movie and then they're gone and it's just it's just a mess oh man it's a fucking mess yeah i i i i have i've i have not seen it but i feel like i know exactly what you're talking about that that sort of too smart for itself uh yeah, structure. no, and it, they don't respect the audience whatsoever. That's, that's unearned because it's not that interesting. <laughs> yeah, they they should give the audience a little credit to, so, to follow along. Did Luc Besson direct this thing, or did he just produce yeah. it? Yeah, no, he wrote and he directed, directed it. Yeah. So, okay, so what's the last movie of his that you watched that you actually enjoyed? Can you even go back that the far? The Professional? Well, I did go see The Fifth Element at a movie party recently. <laughs> yeah. Uh, cause yeah, that's pretty much it. The professional, everything after the professional, it's just been absolute He's overrated as far He's as I'm always concerned. been overrated. Yeah. I think, I think fifth element is fun again in a campy, this is kind of shit way, but to actually say one of his better films is fifth element is a lie. Uh, I gave up on him when I saw fifth element. Yeah. I think we've had this discussion. I think it's stupid yeah. funny, but that doesn't make it good. So just look, just go watch the trailer for Anna. Everything that's good about this movie is in the trailer. Mm. Watch that. You'll see the good parts and yeah. then leave you know, the movie you know alone. The, you know what the title of your Bob Fenster Arizona Republic review is going to be for this, Brian? I just figured it out. What? Uh, <laughs> nah. No! Oh! Hey! Uh, <laughs> boom. I got your etonic. Blonde right here. So if you want to go see, you know, hot chicks, trashy spy action, uh, go watch Atomic Blonde again. That's a great fucking that, movie. That movie owns yeah. all over there's, Anna. Don't watch a, Anna. There's a good genre we could explore. The female assassin movie. Yeah. Or how about just the strong strong female action movie? Because 
that's only now starting to, I guess, work. Is it? Eh. Okay. Not like everybody was lining up to see Aeon yeah. Flux. Yeah, okay, but they have to be strong female action movies that don't involve the scissor legs around the neck move. On- only ones that don't involve the scissor What's legs. left? <laughs> um, uh, Jackie uh, Brown, maybe? I think, I don't recall any in Long Kiss Goodnight, but I could be sure. misremembering that one. I don't know. <laughs> okay, anyway, uh, that's the fresh shit, everybody. Oh, thank God. Okay, so we're going to try something new this show. Uh, you know, we have some series on the Magnificent the Huge podcast. We do, like we did the Logman episodes, or we do, you know, all these episodes where we talk about years in film or whatever. And I want to try a new template, a new series of shows. We'll kick this off. We're going to call it Know This Band. And the idea here is maybe you've never heard this band at all. Or maybe you just heard a couple of their singles or whatever. And we wanted to try and see if we could come up with a playlist where if you listen to the playlist from the top, you know, you'll kind of get into the band and then we're going to slowly take you down the rabbit hole, take you down the band hole with this band and make you a fan by the end of it. And I want to kick this off with the band Sparks. Now, Sparks have been making music since before any of the three of us were even born. They're they're coming so, up on their uh, they're coming up on uh, close to fifty years they've been around, which is insane. Because I can only think of yeah I can only think of say uh, the Rolling Stones or somebody that's been around longer. It's nuts. Okay, so if you check the show notes, you're going to find some links in the show notes, and there's going to be links to two playlists. There's an Apple Music playlist and there's a Spotify playlist. And the challenge, I tried to keep myself to uh, under an hour, but in talking to Chris, we ended up adding a couple more songs to the to the playlists. Um, so they're about an hour and 15 minutes each now. But anyway, um, I, w- I want to kick it off with songs that I think you've probably heard, listener. So these first four songs, these first four songs are from a very excellent period in the Sparks career, really probably my favorite epoch of their work. Uh, The first song is Upstairs from the album Womp That Sucker, and then we have Cool Places from Sparks in Outer Space, and then two songs from the album Angst in My Pants, um, I Predict and Eaten by the Monster of Love. Those are both in uh, the Valley Girl soundtrack, too. I, I don't think I predict is. Um, Eaten by the Monster of Love certainly is, uh, but Angst in My Pants was the other Spark okay. song that was featured in the Valley Girl soundtrack. So, Eric, uh, I'm pretty sure you know yeah. at least one of these songs, right? You're familiar with one of these? Yeah, uh, a couple of them. I mean, I was, I was a big fan of Valley Girl, and I, I knew, um, knew the one with uh, the Go-Go. But I think that's about the extent of my experience. But but it's like since then, most of those songs you've mentioned, I love. Yeah. Now, if you were ever in L.A. in which the is, 80s, which... you, you couldn't avoid Upstairs on K-Rock. That was played constantly by the DJs at K-Rock. Yeah. Well, they're, the, they're from L.A., the, the brothers, Ron and Russell Mayle. Uh, and they started, I guess, late 60s, uh, just farting around on the strip. And then started their first record in like 71, and that's pretty much where it all started. Upstairs, 
gone through a lot of personnel changes, but it's always been the the two male brothers uh, doing the thing, and so they're the face and pretty much the band at this point. And they so changed their sound uh, with every album, right? It's like they kind of get through what they uh, wanted on this one, and then they move on to. I think, so, so it's like they're not the same new wave each time. Well, they kind of come in pairs, right? Like they'll do an album with a new sound and then they'll make another one and then they'll kind of transition and make another mm, pair yeah. and so on. Because when they, when they started, it was like a glam rocky sort of deal. So if you go yeah. to the way back early, then it's sort of uh, like T-Rex, Roxy Music, Brian Eno, David Bowie kind of stuff. Yeah, and then so they got- Chris, Chris, I want to do the, the phases of the music, but first let's get through these, these big hit singles for a second. Go for it. Okay, so um, I Predict. I Predict was introduced to me as the first Spark song I really became aware of. My cousins brought a tape to the family cabin in Colorado, and I just I just thought it was funny because, you know, at the end they talk about the song's going to fade out, and it totally doesn't fade out, and all the other <laughs> bad predictions in the song. It's prob- honestly, it's probably my favorite Spark song out of their entire catalog because of that. Because it's really nonsensical, goofy lyrics, it's fun, it's got a good hook. But then they do the song will fade out and they keep saying that over and over and then it just ends. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> and it's that gets to the sort of the epitome of their deal. It's like sort of thumbing their nose at the pop conventions all at the same time making a perfect pop song. Well, it's I a mean, very weird title. all of their songs are about mediocrity and being average and failure and sexual Life. frustration. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. existing um yeah. <laughs> you know and i predict is is one of those it's just some guy who's like full of crap and he's just saying a bunch of bullshit <laughs> yeah and none of it uh, none of it adds up um and then i want to talk about cool places cool places is the duet with jane weedlin uh jane weedlin of the go-go's right. and this is there's an alternate take of this song i guess where they they tried to just list off all the places they thought were cool in LA and apparently it sucks and they they didn't use that thing. Uh. Well, she was like the president of their fan club or something in LA. Right. Uh, and so I don't know if this was like pre-Go-Go's or if the Go-Go's were already just a big thing by well, then. Well, no, the Go-Go's yeah. were big by the Somehow time they, they did Cool the Places. Gone-Gons. They hooked up with her and got the song. <laughs> yeah, no, they, they were big by then. Yeah. Um, I want to I wanna also talk about uh, Eaten by the Monster of Love here because this song, oh, yeah. this song was used to possibly the greatest effect in a movie that uses music to amazing effect all the way throughout this may be the best use of music mm-hmm. in the show valley yeah. girl yeah where the the bit that goes don't let it get me don't let it get me is used to frame a sex scene and it is cinematic mastery They really did know the music at the time. It wasn't like a bunch of 40-year-olds with a catalog of hits. It was 
It was somebody who really understood that music using it. Oh, it's it's one of the greatest soundtracks of all time. Also on that show that I think I referenced before, Crap Movies Saved mm. by Great Soundtracks, Valley yeah. Girl. Yeah. Goddamn, folks. Um, I guess there's now a Valley Girl Broadway musical, which I haven't seen. <laughs> which you will. I would Let's love to have real. heard the story about the music licensing effort on that. Yeah, no kidding. What's next? <laughs> Heavy Metal the Musical. Yeah, that'll be a good one, too. If if there isn't a live Broadway production of Eaten by the Monster of Love in this musical, I want my money back. <laughs> yeah. uh, if they can get exactly. Nicolas Cage to be in it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. He could play, like, the, the hippie dad. Playing his 16-year-old <laughs> No, self. I want him to play yeah. the hippie dad with the pot. And, yeah. Well, anyway. Okay, so as Chris mentioned, there's kind of eras of Sparks music, and the next handful of songs on the playlist, I'm trying to to highlight the big shifts in their sound. So it goes from This Town Ain't Big Enough for Both of Us, Just which is sort of in the glam phase. And that's sort of their signature tune. Because it's that was their first big boffo hit. It was like number two in the UK or something. So that's that's the one. It's also kind of unsingable. Oh yeah. I mean, <laughs> which is very typical really, of Sparks. Really, really hard to sing. <laughs> yeah, because it's Russell um, Mayo just goes all over the place with his that falsetto operatic. Yeah, it's crazy. Well, the story on it is I mean, Ron Mayo, who is the older brother, the keyboardist, the guy with the quote-unquote chaplain, chaplain mustache. Um, <laughs> yeah. uh, he writes all the music. And apparently he didn't know how to play that song in any key other than A and just forced his brother to sing it in that insane <laughs> register. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. Um, it's fun, too, because it's so, got the, the piano riff, but then they've also got that cool guitar riff that just comes in out of nowhere. I mean, it's just it's like the glammiest glam song ever. It's amazing. It's, it's amazing. And uh, there's, a, there's a fabulous cover of this song by Susie and the Banshees. Yes. I don't know if you've heard that. Yeah. But it totally works as a Susie song. In fact, it may be one of the best Susie songs. Which is odd because I wow. looked it up and not very many of their songs have been covered. It's like it's almost they're no they're very too few. They're either they're too difficult or they're just too precious. I don't know what the deal is, but nobody covers Sparks. But but this one has been covered. Actually, I'm not really going to talk much about this. But Sparks covered Sparks. They do a whole album in '97 called Plagiarism, yeah. where they cover their own winky, songs. Winky winky. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's good. This Actually, I kind of skipped the whole thing because I prefer the originals. But anyway, so there's this glam period, and then they get tired of playing with the band and tired of glam, and they want to get into electronic music. And they say something in an interview like, hey, you know, we're really impressed with Giorgio Moroder. And they say it to a guy who's like, I know Giorgio Moroder. And the next thing you know, (laughs) we get the album that Chris was referencing last week, Number One in Heaven. Um which 
1979. Yeah. It uh, is a hugely infir- uh, influential synth pop album and disco album. I, yeah, I was reading up, and basically, there's a quote from uh, I can't remember which member of Joy Division, but basically said that when they were recording mm-hmm. early on, uh, the only two albums they were listening to, one was like Frank Sinatra's greatest hits, and the other one was number one in heaven. <laughs> yeah, it was Peter Hook that said that. <laughs> was it and, okay? Yeah. Which I thought. So was I, I, in the liner notes, I said something like, "If Vince Clark is one of the fathers of synth pop, then the Sparks are like the uh, older stepbrothers of synth pop." Yeah. Because um, they just kind of seem like your, you know, your insecure big brother a little bit. And maybe that's just because of the music they write, but. Um, <laughs> the the song on our playlist is the same one we mentioned last week, the tryouts for the human race, uh, which had a video actually in 1979 where they they turned into werewolves, which is weird. Uh, I don't know why, because the whole song is basically written from the perspective of a whole giant uh, like pool of sperm trying to make a life. <laughs> it's just like the weirdest theme to to set to a disco tune, but yeah, it works somehow. <laughs> So, like, real quick, are you? Do you suggest then, if you are not familiar with the Sparks catalog, going in linearly? No. Well, so I tried to make. No, I don't. And that's why I tried to make a playlist that started with familiar things okay. from their heyday, and then I kind of roll it back and like, okay, here was the progression. Yeah. And then hopefully, if you're still with me by that point in the playlist, you'll you'll get into some deeper cuts with us. Yeah. Uh, but but the next step in the progression goes back towards their heyday. Um, this is back, they, they, they get really big in Europe, uh, based off the disco record. And then they, they get together with an LA based band called Bates Motel as their backing group. And they make the album Womp That Sucker, (laughs) which previously had upstairs in it, but also has tips for teens. Tips for teens, tips for teens, the kind you don't see in magazines. Tips for teens. Which is uh, the next song I kind of used to represent the whole Bates Motel sound, and which is really in my head. That's what I think of when I think of Sparks. I think of the Bates Motel version of Sparks. Well, and this to me is their most fertile period as well. Like up through "Want That Sucker" to like cool places, maybe uh, music that you can dance to. Uh, and they pretty much yeah. helped define the whole new wave landscape with their stuff. But Want That Sucker kills me because when you listen to it, it's almost like they're making fun of the cars and that sort of sound. <laughs> uh, that's the only way I can describe it. Because it's really, You're not wrong. It's really solid synth pop new wave fun, but there's just that underlying snotty nee, 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 where they're just like, oh, fuck you. I mean, it's amazing. This 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 song has has lines in it like, "Don't eat that burger, has it got mayonnaise? Give it to me. Yeah. Uh, don't eat no curry before a very important date. Yeah, <laughs> tips for teens. Give it to me. Yeah. <laughs> and the video is bizarre. Like that's the other thing. They're entering the video era, and none of their videos sync up at all with any of the the thematics of their songs. And that one is basically them each prepping as boxers getting ready to fight each other in the ring in like a Spanish colonial mansion or something. I mean, it's like, what right. the hell is going on? So that was on? just the, the photo session for the album cover, I think. Yeah, which, probably, it, yeah. It, 
all of their album covers definitely have like the brotherly competition thing going on. So like in this one, uh, the in the foreground is singer Russell passed out on the canvas in the boxing ring while brother Ron is standing victorious in the background. <laughs> yeah. Um, which, their which next goes- album, Angst of My Pants, is a wedding photo where yeah. brother uh, Ron is in the wedding dress. And it's and th- and that's kind of their shtick uh, throughout their entire career. If you see them do live stuff like on the, oh, I don't know, like American Bandstand or whatever, yes. it's always like Russell Mayle just prancing about like the the fun lead singer guy having a blast, and then there's Ronald Mayle has assumed this persona of this dour, curmudgeonly like old <laughs> man, and he just like scowls and smiles creepily at the camera whenever it comes yeah. near him. It's like, He's like always wearing a. A dress shirt and a tie. Yeah. But here's the thing. I saw them on American Bass. First of all, props to the to the synthesizer brand Roland yeah. for custom making synths that say Ronald yeah, that's <laughs> the on the back yeah. it's so instead funny. of Roland. But then at one point, he'll come out from behind the keyboard and break dance. And then he'll go right back to the keyboard and yeah. just be stiff again. Did you wa- Have you watched those clips? Because they, they actually interact with Dick Clark. Years. Uh, you can find them on YouTube. They're pretty funny. Uh-huh. Uh, and they, they come out and interact with Dick Clark and uh, like Ron, Ronald Mayle just incessantly uh, deadpan with Dick Clark. And it's just so uncomfortable yet funny to watch because Dick Clark doesn't know what the hell to do. It's so funny. It sounds like Neil Hamburger. You know, the way he comes in and his whole shtick is not having a shtick and being kind of schlubby. Yeah. Well, I got to be honest with you. I think Sparks really cemented itself early in my cerebrum because that, for whatever reason, is my go-to shtick when I'm in a group of strangers. It's just to oh, be like really stiff and uncomfortable and <laughs> uh, kind of exu- and exude that. And I think I got that from watching Ronald Mail. I can't. I mean, I don't know where else I would have gotten it from because it's yeah, if so you, funny. If you ever see a video of like a wedding or an event that Ryerson is at. At some point, someone will pan the camera, and you'll get him looking right back at the camera saying, what? And then the camera goes off <laughs> looking at something else. Yeah, yeah, and I'm pretty sure I got that from Sparks. It's just it's like their persona. Because if you don't know the joke, you're like, what the hell is wrong with this guy? But if you're in on the joke, it's actually very funny. Because it's consistent throughout their entire career. So, so after... After Sparks in Outer Space, we start to get more and more just straight-up synthesizer albums where it's just the two of them in home studio, and they just get progressively worse. There's an album, Pulling Rabbit, Rabbits Out of the Hat, and then Music You Can Dance To. And I, God help me, I was so into it. I was I was in denial about these albums <laughs> being as better than they are. I left a representative of that on the play, playlist here because I think it is a, a phase of their work. So I left Modesty Plays from Music You Can Dance To here to represent sort of the decline of the synthesizer-only version. Yeah. Modesty Plays was supposed to be the theme song to a show about a character, Modesty Blaze. It's not at all the word plays with the letter P. It doesn't sound like the word plays with the letter P. The lyrics are about... uh, an atomic blonde type, right? Yeah. <laughs> Female yeah. ass-kicking spy. I don't know anything about Modesty Blaze other than this song. But uh, it was like a '60s movie at one point because I think it's based on like a like a pulp character, and it's basically yeah, just okay. a, like a woman spy who kicks ass and like Matahari type or whatever. Uh, so very swinging '60s. But 
I don't know. It's a song. It's emblematic of the of the time. I kind of want to move forward. Well, I think um, I think uh, I don't know if it was that album or maybe Interior Design uh, that I think I first was introduced to Sparks through uh, you. You ha- I it was probably in t- I was playing a lot of interior design yeah. at that point, yeah, and like, then we we our group really went back and and got stuck on Sparks in Outer Space, and a number of songs from Outer Space are coming up on this yeah. list. Uh, but we kind of like everybody that gets into Sparks started at some point with one of their songs or whatever, and then sort mm-hmm. of just backtracked and then discovered this like f- you know twenty some odd album catalog. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it goes all the way back before your birth. <laughs> Surprise! Yeah, basically, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> so they kind of have a dormant period, and then they had an album where I guess I guess Ron bought a lot of sample packs and had a whole bunch of orchestral instruments he wanted to fuck around with, and they made an album that was highly praised called Little Beethoven. But the song I picked to represent this period is actually from the following album, Hello Young Lovers, Dick Around. <laughs> Which is oh, Eric's is a great song. Jesus Christ, is this a great song? <laughs> it is so all over the map too. Which is like, man, only this band could probably be the ones to pull that off. I don't see any other band doing. <laughs> so they're in their fifties or something by this point, and they just don't care, right? They don't. They're just making music for themselves. So they, yeah, it, and it's emblematic of what they're doing at that point, which is that they just kind of have little pieces of song ideas and they're very sort of repetitive and obviously influenced by the process of making them by layering things in the you know in a digital auditing audio editing software um and you know splice and dice and loop it around and it totally works (laughs) dick around is a magnum opus of amazing unfortunately it didn't really go anywhere like the BBC wouldn't help them promote it because they didn't understand what "dick around" meant. They thought yeah. it was something dirty. <laughs> so, and literally the whole song is just about I am so uninspired that I have no idea what I'm going to write a song about. So, hey, I'll write a song about just yeah. dicking around. I mean, that's pretty much it. <laughs> I I got a good job. My girlfriend left me, and I totally have no idea what to do with myself. Is basically the plot of the song. Yeah. So all um, I do now is dick This is also a good example, and and we haven't been talking about it, but throughout their whole career, they clearly took uh, a lesson from Queen in terms of layering vocals and making a big operatic sound. Yeah. Um, It's a key part of the Spark signature sound. But all I do now is stick around. All I do now is stick around, stick around. I remember thinking... Dicking around sounded vaguely Queen-like. I wasn't sure if they had the same producer. Uh, yeah, the the producer's name was Mac, I believe, and they worked with him in the seventies. And apparently, they learned some techniques because they just kept doing it for the rest of their career. <laughs> yeah, and they've worked with some interesting producers. 
uh, over the course of their career. Like Marauder, the one that freaked me out was I think it was uh, I can't remember which album it was. Todd Rundgren. Uh, well, Rundgren did their first one when they were when they were known as Half Nelson before they were Sparks. Right. And then apparently right. that tanked, and <laughs> so this <laughs> the label just said, "I think we think what the problem is is your name, Half Nelson. So uh, why don't you make something like the Sparks Brothers?" And then they just change yeah. it to Sparks. So that's like that's the genesis of the name Sparks. It's so stupid. It's true. I mean, they, they said it was too wrestling. Yeah. And Sparks <laughs> Brothers was a Marx Brothers reference, and that's stupid also. But yeah. But, but it somehow works, I guess. Oh, I, I, okay. In the the uh, this era of biopics, how great would it be for them to do a biopic where they copy the structure of Queen to make a Sparks movie, but it's basically just them being smartasses because. So everything about them <laughs> yeah. sounds like we're not fucking doing that. Oh, okay. No, actually we are doing that. We're going to do that. And then we're going to make it stupid. <laughs> so Eric, I am not making this up. There is a sparks documentary being made right now by Edgar Wright. Yeah. <laughs> and he's, yeah, he's basically gathering, uh, archival footage, uh, as we speak. And he filmed oh, a big concert awesome. with them last year. So Yeah. <laughs> Your follow-up to Baby Driver, your biggest movie ever, is a documentary about Sparks. Good on you, sir. Good on you. After being fired from Ant-Man. Yeah, that'll show him. Uh, So at this point, if you've been listening to our playlist, I've given you some hits. I've walked you through the phases of their career. Now I'm going to start just seeing if if you can keep, keep up with us and just get into some deeper cuts. And really gain an appreciation for the band. So from here on in, this is just kind of like good stuff. Yeah. This is the part um, where you can you can rattle these off and you'd be like, Light from Repo Man, I was into these dudes before anybody. And then you can roll off obscure titles. Yeah. Right. So this will make you sound like a fan. If you only listen to my <laughs> one playlist, but you learn these songs, you're going to sound like a fan. I'm going to start with a little ditty from Sparks in Outer Space. I wish I looked a little better. Yes. Which, um, which is an amazing song. I don't know what to say much about it. It's just straightforward synth pop. You know. I mean, it's just, it's so basic. Yeah. I love the lyrics, though, because it's so singable and so simple. Uh, like I went to high school and majored and looking real bad. I got a real ugly mom and a real ugly dad. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> and if you look it up online, you can find the clip where they were on Solid Gold, the TV show. Like, wow. Oh my god! Yeah, and they're doing the this song, and basically it's just them lip syncing like all the bands did in that era. But there's a bunch of like aerobics people dancing behind them <laughs> very athletically <laughs> it's so oh weird uh so yeah look it up oh yeah song a song about not looking good and being rejected yeah. which is a theme uh followed by one of my absolute favorites um and i think in the end i have to say um angst in my pants may be my favorite sparks album agreed the song mustache this is just a punk song yeah. really yeah about about having a mustache. Yeah, like I, uh, I listen to it, and you, if you translate the synth pop stuff, uh, new wave aspect, and you just put it in like a circle jerky sort of vibe, uh, I mean, you would have yourself a nice two-minute crunchy punk number. No problem. It's awesome. Mustache, 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 mustache. 
To me, this is like the buzzcock. Yes. It's got that kind of okay. structure. Um. So yeah, just a just a killer song. Well, and, um, and did you did you listen to the playlist, Eric? By the way, I just I gotta no, call you out. No, no, came in cold. Nope. Okay. Nice. Well, he will. Well, mustache. I I'm pretty confident <laughs> you're gonna like mustache. Cool. And it's it's got an awesome drum loop to sort of propel the song, mm-hmm. uh, and it's just very hooky. I think that's probably the thing I admire most about Sparks is the way they structure their song. They never met a hook they didn't like. Because these guys just nail it every single time and get you humming. It's it's uncanny. Yeah, that's kind of why I I wanted to I guess be the guinea pig for the Sparks show is that every everything I've heard of them I like. I just they're so impenetrable. You know, they're not like <laughs> it's it's like like well eventually I'm going to do this with Bowie and I mean Serious Moonlight is the song or is the album rather that. Um, Let's Dance, rather, is the album that everybody seems to learn about Bowie from. Yeah. And it's an easy intro. It's like, but from there, you don't know where to go because, oh my God, it's yeah. so dense. I, that's well, the way I'm, I look I'm at Sparks. Sp- they, they have some of my favorite songs uh, from that era, but I would not even know where to begin <laughs> listening well, to them on albums. Well, if you're gonna if you're gonna pick up an album, then Angst in Your in My Pants is definitely the one to start with, in my opinion. Yes, because especially it's, for Eric. Yeah, because it's it's very accessible. It's not overly long, and they're just all and it's a full like two to three minute concoction. Yeah, and it, they they dump the synth because when they did number one in heaven, they couldn't tour because all the equipment at that time was just too ponderous. So then they stripped it down and they went back to just a, a basic rock band format. Uh, and this sort of came on the heels of uh, Terminal Jive and Want That Sucker. So they were kind of going mm-hmm. back to that sound. And it's very stripped down, very basic. And again, it's another like fuck you to the cars and that sort of thing. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So no, it's, it's, it is a fabulous album. Uh, but if you want to get to Inaccessible, uh, we got to talk about really probably their biggest hit album. The one they still perform live in its entirety to this day yeah. was Kimono My House. Which, that's the one which that is put them on the map. The album that had uh, This Town Ain't Big Enough for Both of Us. It also has our next song, which is Never Turn Your Back on Mother Earth. I, th- um, I think that one was on uh, Propaganda, wasn't it? Oh, was that on Propaganda? Yeah. yeah, I'm sorry. That was the album after Kimono yeah. My House. When she's on her best behavior Don't be tempted by the favors Never turn your back on Mother Never Turn Your Back on Mother Earth is, uh, it's a ballad, it's, it's dramatic, yeah. And I'll admit it, I picked it because this is the one that was covered by Martin L. Gore of Depeche Mode. <laughs> I knew it. I knew it. band influenced Depeche Mode, everybody. I'm just saying. Well, and yeah, and Ergo Erasure, Ergo Pet yeah. Shop Boys, yeah. Ergo, like everybody, basically. New Order, come on. 
but in turn was also influenced by those bands. The next track on my list is from a disappointing Sparks album, um, Gratuitous Sax and Senseless Violins, but which is a Pet Shop Boys album. Straight up, it's a Pet Shop Boys album. <laughs> but I kind of, I kind of like it for what it is. I mean, it's it definitely indicative of their ability to just uh, work themselves chameleon-like into any uh, contemporary sound. So it's a very '90s, early synthy uh, kind of thing, uh, and it fits right in. And it, it got a lot of critical acclaim, but it didn't really go anywhere because, it, it, like, like you say, the songs are fairly impenetrable. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, but I'm it's gonna fun. I'm gonna edit the playlist though. At Chris's recommendation. My version of this playlist had a song from this album: "Hear No Evil, Speak No Evil, See No Evil." And really, the big hit on this album was called "When Do I Get to Sing My Way." Yeah. So when do I get to do it my way? When do I get to feel like suspicious stuff? When do I get to sing my way in heaven or hell? Which I think went to number one in Germany. Inexplicably. It's like the only country where it became a big sensation. It doesn't make any sense. So, I mean, that's there. It's a, it's a, again, it's that point in their career where they were just kind of twiddling around in a bedroom studio with a lot of electronic gear before there was really decent computers for editing. I mean, Pro Tools was around at this point, but it wasn't what it is today. Yeah. Well, I will tell you that, uh, and this can lead into somewhere down the line if you want to talk about FFS, but mm-hmm. uh, they're, Who's the guy from Franz Ferdinand, the main guy? I can't remember his name. But anyway, he had, I guess that was his introduction to Sparks, was that album. And I thought that was a really weird huh. uh, intro. And it's and it somehow compelled him to find the other stuff and then become a big fan. And I thought that's a weird jumping off point for Sparks. Because if, if I had never heard them before and listened to this album, I'd have been like, eh, okay. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, it's just kind of, it's like listening to one of those, um, you know, those wannabe bands. We did a we did a show about, you know, what what do we call them? Budget knockoff bands. bands. Budget, budget bands. bands. Yeah. If I listened to that album first, I'd be like, the Sparks are a budget band for yeah. the Pet Shop Boys. Yeah. Like I wouldn't have understood anything. Yeah, we're starting to just kind of get into deeper cuts. We might as well talk about FFS. So okay. there's a super group, which is Franz Ferdinand and the Sparks. Called FFS. Yeah. Um, I guess at some point they called the guys from Franz Ferdinand called them up and and Sparks had nothing better to do and so when was that about 2015 something like that? Yeah, it was like 2014, 2015. So yeah, something like that. And they they made an album and it's actually a, sounds a lot like Franz Ferdinand and sounds a lot like the Sparks. Yeah. <laughs> I like the surprisingly good mix. I like that one of their songs is actually called "Collaborations Don't Work." <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's the best song on the album. Folks, I didn't need a little haiku chart. Warhol didn't need just cutting out art. Frank Lloyd Wright always ate a la carte. Wish I'd been that smart. Wish I'd been that smart. Collaborations don't work. They don't work, they don't work. Collaborations don't work. They don't work, they don't work. Collaborations don't work. 
it's like, yeah, we're pretty much just going to call it like we see it. Collaboration <laughs> And it's fun. It's fun. Uh, so, yeah, they still got it on that. Um, so I picked a song from an album after um, Hello, Young Lovers, their, their next album, Exotic Creatures of the Deep. And the reason I picked a song off of here is this is the point where they kind of unify their sound. From here on out, they just start taking bits of their entire history and jamming them together. And so they start to sound more like they did back in the 70s, but also more like they did in the early 80s, but also holding on to the weird orchestral shit. Um, it's, they've, they've kind of picked their sound, and they've got a backing band again. They've got the guitarist from Faith No More and some woman on the drums whose name I don't remember. And so this is just a song about a guy who's been macking on a girl, but she's a huge Morrissey fan, and <laughs> the, the, our singer does not measure up to Morrissey, and so this is his song, Lighten Up Morrissey, pleading with Morrissey to suck a little more so he's got a chance to get laid. <laughs> yeah. In a nutshell. In a nutshell. She won't have sex with me, no. She won't have sex with me, no. Morrissey apparently was a fan of the band, according to the Wikipedia. Um, and then now I'm just now I'm just getting into okay. If you stuck with me this long, these are awesome songs. Um, all you ever think about is sex. This is my wife's favorite Sparks song. I think it's very. Bouncy. I'm sorry. It's fun. <laughs> oh, it's a fun it's, song. It's the only song I know of where they use the sound of crushing Coke cans as a, as a percussion instrument. Really? <laughs> yeah. That's At the funny. beginning of the song, that sound is is crushing aluminum cans. <laughs> well, again, it's uh, that one is good to find the video for because it's another one that just doesn't make any sense. It's basically them in a warehouse playing the song and Russell Mail dancing about and then in the background it's Ronald on the keyboard and eventually he just starts getting bombarded with custard pies for no reason and that's the entire video <laughs> it's like what think about the places we've had our little fun in the church at Christmas busted by that nun then in that museum and then okay back to kimono my house this is one of my all-time favorite spark songs this song is called talent is an asset Talent is an Asset is a song about the doting overprotective parents of Albert Einstein. (laughs) (laughs) Whose whole deal is like, we know our kid's a genius, so, you know, we're sure he's going to grow up and and have a great social life, but right now everybody needs to leave him alone so he can study in his room and be awesome. (laughs) 
Yeah, Weird. nothing impenetrable about that at all. But it's got another. It's another solid hook. Uh, I know phone in my house has some detractors who get a little over frou frou about stuff. Uh, but it's a solid, solid record. Very, uh, very much in that glam. But it's got a really solid hook. That, that makes so. me think that Ronald is a little bitter about being forced to learn piano. <laughs> well, no, he plays Possibly. guitar too. I don't. Know. No, no, no. My point being that as a kid, he was forced to like not go out and play. It's like now he'll play the goddamn keyboards. Get to work. <laughs> well, that's probably why he just stares dourly at the camera and exactly. he's on the stage. Why well, pick him? <laughs> well, you know? I mean, the whole end of the song is just this this little keyboarder that plays out the whole thing. And the lyrics are, go away, go away. Yeah, I know this song. like half of every one of their songs could be my theme because they're just angry and just just annoyed yeah well coming up uh, towards the end here we'll get to the one that i think would be your your theme song eric so we'll get there um one of my themes is this next one which also has a, a riff that that is very repetitive on purpose and it's kind of crazy making on purpose because the song is the decline and fall of me which includes uh, great lyrics like, now I stutter, now I dribble, other than that, I'm lost like I was then. Or now your jokes <laughs> seem really funny, other than that, I'm lost like I was then. Yes, yeah. Um, But it's fun. It is fun. It's a great And that's song. the thing, is they do these really dark lyrics that should just make you want to go off yourself, but they put them in these really happy backbeats and, you know, la la la. And then, and that's what gets you hooked. And then you start listening to the lyrics, and you're like, "Oh, what the hell is? This? It's like cabaret, basically, is what it is." <laughs> and these last few songs are ones that uh, I'll be honest, I had pretty much made my list. And Chris is like, "But we need this, this, and this." And I just kind of threw them on the end because I suck. Yeah, because <laughs> uh, Brian had given up by then. Well, I I wanted to put Wonder Girl in there because that's the first track on their very first album. Uh, and it, for all intents and purposes, makes a very loud statement to me when I hear it, because uh, it's you know it's got the hook and it gets in and it's very much of that sound of the era, early '70s. Uh, but it's also supremely hummable. I mean, it's just intensely hummable, and I can't ever get out. It's like an earwig uh, to me. But the fact that it didn't go anywhere is just astonishing. Uh, I'm not sure how that happened. I mean, it's Todd Runger in producing. Uh, what more can you say? But it's fun. But it does it does cement uh, their sound in the first single, really, right? Like, yeah. it's, it's absolutely a spark song. Yeah, agreed. I was going to move on to the next song, which was kind of a staple for us in high school, backstage in the you know the high school drama department. This is. Dance, goddammit. 
<laughs> I love this song so much. I can't even explain it. It's the perfect coda to that album. It's the last song, and it's just sort of this mid-tempo, doesn't really change, and it's basically about a guy just yelling at his feet. Dance, goddammit. <laughs> you know, get out there and just do it. Uh, that's all I know about Dance, that one. Dance, goddammit. Dance, goddammit. <laughs> Yeah, it's not nearly as energetic as other songs on this album. Music that you yeah. can dance well, to. Well, that's right? what's so funny. It's the last about it. one. It's tired. It's done. Dance, goddamn it! Yeah, it's just basically the the usually buoyant Russell Mayall singing, uh, very just sort of resignedly, just dance, yeah. goddamn it! You know, it's not up tempo. It's not peppy, and it's just perfect. So. <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, but lastly, the one finally, yeah, and it's on their latest album, like 2017, I guess it came out. It's called Hippopotamus. Uh, and if you haven't listened to newer, uh, this is just from start to finish. I was gobsmacked how good it is because it's just a, a solid album from start to finish. But when I got to this track, it made me think of Eric because it's literally like the epitome of every conversation that Eric has told me he's had with people at work. Uh, but it's a song called I Wish You Were Fun. I wish you were fun. I wish you were fun in every way. I wish you were fun to brighten the dark cold winter day. In every other way I find you amazing but one. I wish you were fun. And basically the lyrics are like, I, I wish you were fun. I wish you were fun. You're perfect in every way. So let's say I've said that on previous uh, uh, employment opportunities. Oh yeah, no, no. He loves where he works now. <laughs> yeah. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but yeah. I was talking about my boss's boss listening to Eric talk about his balls earlier, yeah. so whatever. <laughs> oh, good Lord. When does Eric not talk about his balls? <laughs> let's be real. Uh. Uh, but but that one's probably my standout track on Hippopotamus, just because it's you know it, it encapsulates everything about Sparks. It's sort of playful yet dark. Uh, it's fun. It's got a good hook. It's hummable. Uh, pretty much everything you want from them. And it was yeah. nice to see that after fifty years almost doing this, that they still are able to create something of that caliber. I was very impressed. But Hippopotamus is an example of what I'm saying in terms of they've got this backing band now, so they're able to just kind of do stuff in the style of anything that they did in the past and mix it all up. The whole Hippopotamus album is is a congealed version of all of those sounds. Yeah. Really. Pretty much. Great stuff. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's also just good titles. Uh, so, yeah. But from uh, Half Nelson, a.k.a. Sparks in 1971 to hippopotamus in 2017 that's like 23 some odd albums uh that's quite a career oh for for considering they're a band most people haven't heard of too i mean yeah. they're influential but not huge well yeah it's like the most influential band you've likely never heard of uh is probably the best way to explain it 
Uh, but now you've heard of them. Yeah. You go listen to that playlist. Go to the show description, click on the links, listen to the playlist, and then you won't be cooler than your friends. You'll actually be nerdier than your friends. Yeah. But you'll be you'll you'll be a better person for it. Yeah. And then when that Edgar Wright documentary comes out, you'll be like, Oh, I totally know these guys. I love them and you should be ashamed of yourself for not. Yeah, <laughs> every discerning <laughs> hipster should go and listen to our playlist and educate exactly. themselves. Yes. I come home, I throw my coat down, I spin around, I plop down. Give me a break, a little break, better drop the requirement, there's So if you've listened to our playlist and you have feedback for us about it, tell us tell us how much you love us for, for introducing you to this band. Hit us up on Twitter. We're at MagHuge. Or you can find us on Instagram, Magnificently Huge Podcast. We're on Facebook, Magnificently Huge Podcast. You can email MagnificentlyHuge at gmail.com. Or you know what? Just show your appreciation by sharing the podcast, giving it ratings on your podcast app of choice. At least just click on the star thing. Um, or go to our webpage uh, where you can find all these other episodes I've been referencing. You can find those on our web our website, maghuge.com, M-A-G-H-U-G-E.com. Uh, you can also find links to all the ways to contact us there. And yeah, tell us what's up. Ooh, go away. Thank you. Thank you. Sorry, I haven't said anything just about the entire show, so I wanted to get that in. I know. I'm, I'm, well, you should have listened to the fucking playlist. Jerry. I was learning, buddy. I was learning. <laughs>